Welcome to the world of CONCACAF. On this episode, we will review Gold Cup qualification and look forward to the main event as the Gold Cup 2021 approaches. All right, hello, and welcome to the World of CONCACAF podcast. I'm Eric Schmitz. And I'm Donald Wine. And we are missing Jonathan for this one. Uh, Jonathan had something come up. So it's just the two of us rolling a man down. Jonathan must have got the red card, you know. We'll have, we'll to... have him back next match. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll have him back, we'll have him back uh, for the next one. Um, but yeah, lots going on. We wanted to make sure, even though Jonathan couldn't be here, that we got an episode out uh, before the Gold Cup uh, talk about it. Because this is really the Confederation's like premier event My, outside of Nations League. Nations League, obviously, on an echelon much higher, much higher than uh, Gold Cup. But the Gold Cup is still the premier event uh, for the Confederation. Uh, Donald, did you get to watch a lot of the qualifi- qualification matches? I did. The prelims were actually really interesting. Uh, I know we're going to talk about it in just a second, but for those of you who like soccer, look, the last couple of days especially, you saw a lot of penalty kicks in the Euros. You saw a lot of penalty kicks in Copa America, and you saw even more penalty kicks in the Gold Cup prelims. So if, you, if you're if you a fan of penalty shootouts, we're about to talk about a couple of epic ones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of my friends did refer to the Euros as Europe's Gold Cup. And I think that's really that's what tell, it is. Yeah. You know, tell, you know, tell them this is them trying to replicate uh, the glory that is the gold cup, but for their own confederation. And see, they, they like to dilly dally, right? They like to do the extra time. They like to kind of mosey their way into the realness. Yeah. That is like what we see in gold cup. CONCACAF. CONCACAF. They're just like, nah, skip straight to the madness. We don't need 30 extra minutes. We've already played 90. Go straight to the madness. Yeah, and for them, they only do this every four years. See, like CONCACAF, we know in CONCACAF that the people want more action. So it's like, yo, we'll do this every two years. It's like people bang, need, bang. Around, all, around the world, they just need to get on our level is what we're really saying. And I do like that both the both Copa America and Euros decided to play early this year to clear the way yeah. so that they wouldn't go up against the Gold Cup. They yeah. knew what was going on. They are the appetizer to the main course. So <laughs> speaking of appetizers, let's just go right into scoreboard watch for the prelims for the Gold Cup. So now this year, this is a new portion. Now, the great thing about CONCACAF is that there's always history and tradition in this and that they always find ways to change things. So this year, they decided to do qualifying rounds for the Gold Cup. So we had... It was based on the Nations League. So it was based yeah. on how teams finished in League uh, A and B. And I, I guess C as well. See, it's the greatest competition in sport influencing all the other competitions. You know, See? it all trickles down from Nations League up at the top. So we'll go through the games, um, starting with the first round. Uh, back on the second, which was Friday, we had our first r- rounds of games. Uh, leading off with Haiti getting a big 6-1 win over St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Uh, this one, the wheels came off with the first game of this whole prelims. St. Vincent and the Grenadines had a short bench. They had a bunch of guys who didn't get visas. They had to start a position player in goal because all their keepers couldn't play. And they only had two subs. Did you watch any of this? I did. In for it to be only three or six one is pretty much a feat, a pretty good feat for St. Vincent because, like you said, the the it's not like the position player was a normal starter. He was like one of the last guys on a normal bench, and he was called in not only to play out of his position, but to play a position he has never played. And for St. Vincent, like this is one of the biggest events in their 
on their schedule. Like there's the gold cup and depending on how world cup qualifying goes, like this is what they build up for and to earn a place in the prelims and then show up and be stuck in this situation. Very unfortunate for our beloved Vincey heat. Um, Haiti was able to jump out to an early lead. They scored the first three goals. Uh, St. Vincent was able to get one before halftime. So it was only three, one going into half. Um, but Haiti pulled away in the end. So they got the win. Uh, thanks to two goals by Duckins in the zone. Haiti's star striker. All right, moving on to the next game. They were followed by Bermuda thrashing Barbados by an eight, one score, uh, Naki Wells with a hat trick. This one was not close. It was over really, really early. That's all I'll say about that game. I mean, Bermuda kind of said, okay, we're going to let you play for like three or four minutes. And then it was game time. And once they scored the first goal, it was over. So, yeah. Uh, Shout out to Barbados. They, I mean, to get to this point, they played very well during the Nations League to get to this point, but they were outmatched from the from the word go. Yeah. If you had listened to the Barbados episode of this podcast, we shouted out Hayden Holligan, who did score the goal for Barbados. Just saying, we're we're giving all you all the info you need to know about these squads. So Holligan gets that one goal in first half stoppage time. But yeah, Naki Wells, first minute, 14th minute, 87th minute for the hat trick. Uh, an OG showed up in the second half, um, but Bermuda very comfortable and taking those pink unis into the second round. All right, next up, we've got Trinidad and Tobago, big six, one win over Montserrat this first day, just no really close matches. Um, thoughts on Trinidad's big win. First of all, it was the bowl bowl. Because you had both teams uh, <laughs> yeah. in in premier bowl uniforms, but uh, maybe the best kit matchup of the Gold Cup prelims. It might be the entire Gold Cup. Well, I mean, it is hard to it's hard to outdo the Bowl Bowl, but uh, the wrong team won. I'll just leave it at that. Montserrat, we were we were pulling for Montserrat, but uh, that's that's why they play the games. We were all rooting for you. Uh, Trinidad scoring three in the first half. Um, Lyle Taylor getting one back, uh, early in the second half, but Trinidad pulled away at the end to move on in Angus Eve's, uh, debut behind the, in front of the bench, uh, with Trinidad. Obviously we've covered a lot of what's been going on with Trinidad and Tobago for them to come out with a new coach. And after that disappointment in uh world cup qualifying to get a big win like this that's it's nice for the program to be able to have some hope here uh so trinidad advances to that 6-1 win now we'll move on to day two saturday which was uh the third and first game of the day guadalupe gets the 2-0 win over bahamas uh it was tied at halftime very tight game. Uh, Guadalupe gets two pretty quick goals. Uh, Matias Faton in the 61st minute, Rafael Marval in the 67th minute. That 2 0 scoreline gets them through. Um, very disappointing to not see Bahamas and those kits get through. Mm-hmm. But Donald, thoughts on uh, Guadalupe's victory? In the end, Guadalupe was the stronger team. We knew that entering. We were, you know, going for if we're, we're, we're Jersey freaks. So we were going for. The sweet Bahamian, Bahamian jerseys, but they look so uh, good. Guadalupe. They look good. Guadalupe has some good ones too. They're just not. They're not the Bahamas, which which is fine. Uh, but Guadalupe definitely was the was the supreme team on on the field for that match. Yeah. So Guadalupe advances first game of the day, and then things get off the rails further uh, with the second game of the day. Cuba is supposed to be facing French Guiana. Cuba didn't quite make it. Uh, CONCACAF putting out a statement. Uh, unfortunately, due to COVID-19 related travel and visa challenges and the required COVID-19 testing regime, Cuba's match against French Guiana will not take place, coming from their statement. Um, 
It appears Cuba had issues getting their visas sorted with the U.S. government. Uh, little geopolitics problems there. But French Guiana gets the walkover victory. It's kind of, I don't know about you, but it's kind of disappointing that a tournament of this magnitude, you don't have this stuff sorted out where you're not the day before the game expecting. It's like, oh, Cuba's just going to like fly in and go right to the stadium. Like, y'all should have this figured out before this. And it's not like we didn't find out Cuba was not what was going to be in this part of the tournament like last week. We've known for two years that they are going to be in this. You've known since 2019. So it it for that to happen, that's just it's unacceptable for CONCACAF, really. I mean, CONCACAF has to be the one pushing this through. They're based out of Miami. They, they know about the geopolitics when it comes to Cuba and the United States. It's it's something that they've had to deal with throughout the their tenure and throughout their history. And so for them to mess this up and not do this. And and really, I mean, we were tracking their flight that was supposed to be leaving. And people were like, are they on this plane that they are supposed to be on? And it, it lands in Florida for them to go. Nope, it's not. They're not on the plane. Like that is unacceptable that we have to be resorting to, you know, flight tracking apps and, you know, con- contacting state department contacts to see, if a team is going to participate in the tournament, they were eligible to play it. And it's not like the first time Cuba has ever played in a gold cup. This is not a new thing. Like they've made it before and they've never run into an issue like that. I understand COVID-19 throws a wrench into things, but y'all been planning this for a year plus. Like, you know, the, as soon as you did the draw, you know, these dates, like, Get it sorted. Get your roster figured out. Um, obviously, more is going to come out about this whole fiasco in the coming weeks, months ahead. Um, I know John Arnold, our friend, friend of the podcast, uh, king of CONCACAF, uh, was tracking us pretty closely. Uh, hopefully, we get more info as to what happened. But French Guiana moves on to the second round of the prelims. Uh, and then the final match of that first round, Guatemala getting a 4-0 win over Guyana. Um, Guyana giving up an own goal in the first half was was 1-0 at half, and Guatemala just pulled away at the end, getting the 4-0 victory. Thoughts on Guatemala-Guyana? Yeah, Guatemala is was the better team. I know Guyana has been a formidable opponent for teams, of late, but Guatemala has been up in coming that, you know, the only reason that they're in this portion of the uh, gold cup prelims is because of their suspension back in 2016, they weren't eligible to be in anything but league C of nations league. So the only thing they could be eligible for was this point. So they were the team that was slated to advance out of this group, out of this round. And it's not surprising that they did it in convincing fashion. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, so we've got our six teams moving on to the second round. Uh, first matchup is going to be Trinidad and Tobago, French Guiana. Uh, and in classic CONCACAF fashion, things escalated in the first match of the day. Uh, Trinidad getting an early goal from Kevin Molino in the 27th minute. In the 44th minute, well, actually slightly before this, Trinidad had a player go off hurt, was playing down a man, and did not rush to get a sub on the field to replace him. And up a man, playing with the advantage, French Guiana gets a goal in the 44th minute from Arnold Avalenti and ties the game using that advantage. Game ends 1-1, and in the prelims, there ain't no extra time. We're going right to penalties. And there were a lot of penalties. Uh, Trinidad ends up winning 8-7 in penalties. Donald, thoughts on uh, this uh, first game of the day? Well, first of all, shout out to everyone except for, you know, l- lamenting the the one guy on French Canada who everyone else made their penalties. It was a great penalty shootout. Everyone was taking them with precision and, and cool, calm collectiveness. 
Uh, it was just one guy that missed, and that's unfortunate for uh, for French Guiana. They, I mean, they fought well to get back into the game. Trinidad and Tobago was was the better team, and, but they weren't playing like it, and it came down to a freak thing of penalties, and it just so happened one guy missed. French Guiana could have been there, and and now they're going home. Kevin Roman misses that penalty in the eighth round to end it. Uh, Trinidad and Tobago goes eight for eight. And Trinidad and Tobago moves on after that qualifying failure last month. They are through to the Gold Cup. In the second game of the day, uh, and the most interesting for fans of the U.S. national team uh, for that spot in Group B, Haiti. And, is- and our little neighbors to the north. Yes, the minnows to the north. Um, Haiti gets the 4-1 win over Bermuda. Francie Perrault with a hat-trick. Duckins Nazan, previously mentioned, with the insurance goal at the end. Naki Wells getting one for Bermuda. But Haiti moves on. Uh, thoughts on Haiti, Bermuda. Unfortunately, this was the one game I didn't actually get to see. I saw it, and it was, again, one where Haiti dominated from start to finish. Uh, Bermuda, you know, of course, they got the one goal, but it was really Haiti's game to lose and and. They took advantage of every opportunity that uh, that they had. I will say that this is kind of a bittersweet victory for them, given what just happened in their nation. Literally overnight, this game was, uh, as we record on Wednesday, this game was on Tuesday night. And in the middle of the night last night, their president was assassinated. So that, I'm sure, is weighing heavily on them. The The country has been locked down. No one can leave or enter. So these guys are are going to Kansas City with their hearts and their minds probably back in uh, their home country, just kind of grieving with the rest of their uh, fellow citizens. But uh, for them to get into the Gold Cup, this is something that they wanted. They lost out on qualification as well last month to Canada. uh, And now they get to maybe exact some revenge uh, in Kansas City when they play them. Yes, for sure. They will have that game. Next Thursday, uh, the 15th, uh, circled on their calendars. Uh, try to exact some revenge there. But Haiti moves on. Bermuda and their beautiful, beautiful pink kits go home. Uh, so we will try again for them next time. And then the third match of the day. If you thought the first match went crazy, this one jumped up a notch. Uh, this was wild. Guatemala won, Guadalupe won. Uh, Luis Martinez of Guatemala gets uh, the equalizer in the 17th minute after Matias Faton scored early for Guadalupe. Uh, that 17th minute goal sent the game to PKs, and there were a lot of them. We go 12 rounds of penalties. We have keepers taking penalties, and Jose Ceballos misses his first attempt in the first round and then misses his second attempt in the 12th round to end it. And Guadalupe moves on to the Gold Cup. Yo, how wild was this game? This was one of the best and worst penalty shootouts I've seen because it went 12 rounds, as you said. One guy missed both of his penalty kicks that he saw and ended up costing his team the match and the spot in the gold cup. You had both goalkeepers take and make theirs. That's, that's usually, that's very rare that even gets to a goalkeeper, but also for the goalkeeper to both make it against the other. And they both were kind of, you know, clown each other as they were doing it. They're also with a lot of fireworks. Apparently these two teams that never faced each other ever. Yeah. First meeting in their history. In their history, and they did not like each other. Even during the penalty kicks, there was one uh, Guatemalan player, I forgot which one it was, but he scored and started talking some crap to uh, to Guadalupe. Oh, Guadalupe was, was like, yo, we could, yeah, we could finish this right now. And like, it, it took the referees to kind of break that up, and they had to resume penalty kicks after a little bit of a fracas. Uh, but it was, yeah, it had everything. And uh, again, it had goals during the game. It had great saves. Both goalkeepers were, were dancing on their heads. And in the end, it was one guy who missed twice in penalties. And that's all she wrote. Guadalupe's in. Guatemala goes home. A lot, a lot to talk about after this. My favorite part of the 
penalties was the 10th round. Both guys don't score. So yeah. each team gets stopped, and then the keepers get out there. And then the keepers both score on each other. And then it ends after that. Just a lot of drama. Like you said, a lot of chirping. Like the intensity there, unmatched. And like the day in soccer between the Euros, between Copa America, this was like the last game that ended of the day. And all of soccer Twitter had tuned in as soon as they saw PKs. So everyone saw this escalate go completely off the rails once the keepers came out it's like twitter exploded it's like that's the gold cup moment that you want to see before the gold cup even really truly starts yeah and guadalupe is you know is a team that has been in the gold cup recently uh, a couple of times and guatemala that's guadalupe and guatemala has been as i mentioned been trying to get back to you know where they were like eight years ago where they were, you know, factoring into qualifications and getting to the second to last round of qualification, or even, you know, getting close to the hex. Uh, and now, you know, they're, they've moved up to league B. They you know, destroyed everyone in league C during nation's league. Now they just barely miss world cup qualifying, even without losing a game. They don't lose a game in the gold cup prelims and they don't make it either. That is just devastating for, a team that's trying to find their way back up into the prime of the, of the region. It, it kind of set because the next thing for them, they don't get to really assert themselves again until nations league comes around in two years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Guatemala, they have that tough match. They have to go to Curacao and get a result uh, to move on to the final round of qualifying. Can't get it done. Gold cup prelims they're in penalties and they can't get it done. Uh, So really, really tough month for Guatemala's program. That's Uh, really rare, by the way, to literally, I mean, I'm pretty sure throughout all of 2021, they have not lost and they have nothing to show for it, which is terrible. Just awful, awful uh, luck for Guatemala. But hey, Guadalupe, they're through to the Gold Cup. And... I think we should tell you more about Guadalupe. So this week on CONCACAF's Laser Focus, we are going to go to Guadalupe. So right after this, we'll tell you more about this nation. episodes CONCACAF Laser Focus we are talking about Guadalupe Donald what's the deal with Guadalupe yeah so there's one thing you have to start with Guadalupe is not an independent country let me say again Guadalupe is not an independent country they are actually an overseas department and region of France so they are technically part of the France I don't want to say empire because they don't call it an empire anymore but they are part of France so Everyone who is on Guadeloupe is a French citizen, which is kind of interesting. So their population, 395,000 people, their capital or prefecture is what they call them, is Basseterre. But their most populous city is Leabem, which is part of the metro area of the main business center of Guadeloupe, which is Pointe Petre, which is located on Grand Terre. So there's six inhabited islands and a bunch of little small ones that no one lives on. The main part of the territory is Basseterre and Grand Terre, which are separated by a tiny river. But when you put them together, it makes Guadeloupe look like a butterfly in the Caribbean, which is pretty cool. They were, and I say this in air quotes, people, discovered by Christopher <laughs> Columbus uh, back in 1493. He gave the island the name of Guadeloupe after San Maria de Guadalupe. It became a French colony uh, after that, but the Spanish name was retained. And colloquially, the locals refer to the islands as Guada, which you'll learn in a little bit when we talk about the soccer teams. 
like other overseas departments, again, is part of France. They are part of the European Union. They have the euro as their official currency. And European Union citizens are free to work there as long as they want. However, they are not a part of the Shenzhen zone. So you can't go to Guadeloupe and then fly to France and say, cool, I don't have to show my passport. You got it. <laughs> you got to show your passport there. That's that's the only quirky thing about it. The region of Guadeloupe also used to include St. Bart's and St. Martin, but they had attached following a referendum in 2007. French is the official language, obviously, because they're part of France, but uh, they have a Guadeloupian Creole that's also spoken. And if you're thinking that you can speak English on the island, good luck, because very few people speak English on this island. So if you're going to go to Guadeloupe, make sure you learn a little bit of French or at least a little Creole so that you can get by. Main industries, tourism, of course, uh, cruise industry especially, agriculture, sugar and rum production, solar energy, and furniture. And other than soccer, which is the most popular sport on the island, basketball is very popular. They like a couple of guys that were born or grew up on the island. There's track and field. Fencing, they have a lot of great fencers that come out of Guadeloupe. Rugby union, and it also has one of the world's largest jet skiing championships. So if you like jet skiing, Guadeloupe is apparently the place place to be the in the summertime pot. because they have a huge, huge festival and a huge championship that draws thousands of competitors. Of course, the national beverage of Guadeloupe is rum, and they have six main distilleries. But one of the most famous drinks on the island is called the tea punch, which is short for a short punch. It's a shot with white rum, cane sugar, and a lime, which those of you who have been to Brazil may think, yes, that kind of sounds like a caipirinha. And it is. It's kind of like a caipirinha, but it doesn't use cachaça. It uses a white rum that is distilled on the island. It is designed to be one shot and you're done. It's not designed to be something you drink over and over, but naturally a lot of people on the island disregard that and they drink a lot of these things called tea punches. That sounds amazing. I would like to drink many of those. So now tell me, and this, it makes me think of the Ted Lasso quote, how many countries are in this country? Mm-hmm. How come Guadalupe is a country with a national team, but not a real country? So they're not a part of FIFA uh, because FIFA requires that you are independent. And as I'll explain in a minute, they also are somewhat controlled by the French Football Federation. So they have their own federation, but they also have some influence from the French Federation. And they're, because they are French citizens, their teams can actually compete in the French Cup over in France. So they are eligible to do that because they are part of France. And just like every other region, overseas region, they are eligible to can do anything that the French do. So that is why they're not a, they're not a part of FIFA yet. However, CONCACAF does not require you to be a part of FIFA to be a part of CONCACAF, thus they are able to compete in what we call the Caribbean Football Union, the most famous subregion of CONCACAF. Yes, the CFU. They are beloved members of the CFU. Uh, I went through and I was doing my own research on Guadeloupe, and it does appear that Guadeloupe is essentially, it's almost like, I don't even want to say like Hawaii is to the United States. Like, yeah, it's not even a close, not even attached, but it's like, it's still run by the same people. So mm-hmm. you can't really consider it its own country. FIFA's not going to go for that. Now, French, France has had other overseas territories, not near France. Um, New Caledonia's one. New Caledonia's in OFC, the Oceania, like another beloved confederation. Um, New Caledonia is more independent like they've got their own government, their own sets of laws. So FIFA accepted them, even though they still have that relationship with France. Whereas Guadeloupe is still completely under French rule. Like it might as well just be another state of France, you know? And it's and that's an interesting way to put it, right? Because if you're thinking about the United States, you have Hawaii and then you have Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico obviously has its own uh, football federation and it has its own national team. It, it's it's still a part of the United States, but they're a territory. Hawaii is a state. This is not a French territory. This is a French overseas department, which they consider like a state. So uh, they ha- again, they have prefectures, they have uh, departments. 
this is not a territory where they have isolated and autonomous governments. Like you said, they are, they have their own government, but it's like a state legislature for all intents and purposes. What France passes Guadeloupe has to abide by. So that is how this works here. And that's why they're more closely knit and closely linked to France. And again, I think really when it comes to FIFA, it's the fact that the French football federation is able to oversee matters in Guadeloupe. And Guadeloupe still has their own federation. But when you have two federations overseeing the same territory, the same state, whatever you want to call it, FIFA doesn't like that. So that's why they're they're not a part of FIFA. Yeah. Someday FIFA might let them in the club, but not, not under this. It ain't going to be today. It ain't going to be today. All right. So you told me about Guadeloupe in general. Tell me about soccer in Guadeloupe. Yeah, so I'll briefly talk about the uh, leagues that they have here. First of all, you have the Guadeloupe League of Football. That is the governing body. Uh, again, French Football Federation is also a part of it. There are two pro football divisions in Guadeloupe for the men. There are none for the women. So for the men, you have the Guadeloupe Division of Honor or the Division de Honor. Uh, again, in French. Uh, that's the top football league. It was created in 1952. 14 teams participate in the league, and the last three teams relegate to the Honorary Promotion Championship. That's what it's called. There's another name in French. I won't butcher that. I know a little bit of French, but not enough to, to, to not butcher that. Oui, so oui. for domestic cups, they have a couple of competitions. They have the Coupe de Guadeloupe. And there's also one that they perform that's organized by teams from Guadeloupe and Martinique, and that is the Ligue de Antilles. So there's that as well. And as remember, they are part of CONCACAF and the French Football Federation. They're eligible to compete in three international competitions, the CFU Club Championship, CONCACAF Champions League, and again, the Coupe de France, because they are part of France. So talking about the, the national teams, uh, we'll start with the women. Um, much like other islands we've discussed on the podcast, uh, women's soccer has not quite caught up to the men's side uh, in Guadeloupe. Uh, their team just generally hasn't played much. Uh, they had their first international in 2000. Uh, they actually won that a 3-0 win over Martinique. Their kid brother slash sister, their hermano, you know. Um, <laughs> so they haven't had been able to play a lot of games. Their last major uh, event they participated in was 2018 CONCACAF Women's Championship qualification. They had a bit of a rough go of it. Uh, the women's team opened up with a uh, big loss to Jamaica by a score of 13 to nil. Uh, they followed that up with a loss to Haiti by 11 to nil, and then followed that with a loss to Martinique. So they finished their last major tournament uh, with three losses and a minus 27 goal differential. They did not advance. Uh, that's the last major competition they've been in. Uh, they have recently, just last month, they played their first game in about a year and a half. Uh, they defeated Martinique by a 2-1 score in a friendly. It's really good to see some of these smaller nations and their programs that might not have actual competitions going on uh, start getting games back in after a long pandemic. Uh, that, so that's the women's team. The men's team, which we are well aware has advanced to the gold cup. Uh, clearly they have not qualified for the world cup before because they are not in FIFA. The men's team has had some good results of late. Uh, their coach is Jocelyn Angloma, who is a former uh, French national team player. He's been coach for a few years now. They're, Nickname, as we mentioned earlier, uh, the Guada Boy. Well, the F English translation is the Guada Boys. Uh, their nickname is Les Guada Boys. You know, French. That'll do it. It's mostly guys who play on the island. Uh, a lot of local players. They do have some guys over in Europe, including their goalie, Johan Turum, who is at Amiens in France. Uh, they do have uh, midfielder Dimitri Kavar who's at Scion, which is in the Swiss Super League, and one stateside player, Luther Archimedes, who is at New York Red Bulls 2 right now. Um, 
The one other guy who's not on the Gold Cup roster that I do want to mention, Andrew Gravillion. Uh, he's 23 years old. He's actually owned by Inter Milan. He came in for camp uh, before the Gold Cup, uh, but has not earned a cap yet. He was actually born in Guadeloupe. Uh, so he's one of those guys who's moved on to Europe, uh, but he could be a good player for them going forward. Uh, as far as historically, uh, Guadeloupe has had some success in the Gold Cup. Their first time in the Gold Cup was the 2007 edition. They actually finished fourth um, in their f- debut. Um, they were able to knock off uh, Honduras in the quarterfinals before falling 1-0 to Mexico in the semis. That was in 2007. 2009, they made it to the quarterfinals, uh, going 2-2 two and two in the group stage. And in 2011, they did not advance out of the group stage. That was the last time they were in the Gold Cup. Uh, so now, 10 years later, they are finally back. Um, as far as Nations League goes, the most important tournament on the face of the earth, uh, they were in Division C, League C uh, for the first edition and went 4-0. Plus 18 goal difference, finished first in their group, and they are headed up to League B for the 2022-23 edition. Uh, Caribbean Cup, they've got, uh, going back to 1989, they've got three third-place finishes um, and a fourth place in 2007. They did finish runner-up in 2010, um, so they have had some success in the Caribbean Cup, and the reference tournament um you reference that they have some competitions with uh other french territories uh the coupe de Le, the ultra mer um a tournament which is just french overseas regions um they finished third in the three editions of that those took place 2008 2010 2012 i don't believe that's in existence anymore which is a little a little sad. Um, they finished behind Martinique and Reunion in uh, those competitions. Now, for the upcoming Gold Cup, they have qualified. They move on to a group in the Gold Cup with Costa Rica, Jamaica, Suriname. Uh, they open up in Costa Rica on the 12th. All right, so now we've talked about soccer in Guadalupe. Now it's time to get down to real business. It's time for real team or fake team. Uh, this week, obviously, we're just the two of us, um, and it's my turn to be the contestant. So this is all on Donald. Uh, but Donald's going to give me six teams that exist, maybe, in Guadalupe, and I got to try to determine through my intuition if it's a real, actual soccer team or if he just made it up. Because, you know, you can never can tell by the names of some of these teams. So, Donald, what do we got this week? Okay, so I'm going to give you six. I'm going to start with this one. Villefranche SC. Fake. That is fake. Uh, So funny story. It's not really fake. It's just not a Guadalupe team. So Uh, I have that in the fake. Man. But it's not. I'm considering fake because it's not Guadalupian. So it is. You are correct. That is fake. Uh, The next one is L'Etoile. Can I get a spelling? L apostrophe etoile. I'm going real. That is real. Letoile. Yes, let's go. De Moral No won nine championships uh, so far in Guadalupe. Powerhouse. The powerhouse. The next one I have is AS Dragon. We've already had a dragon team on this podcast in real team or fake team. So I'm going to say fake. You can say that because last time it was fake, but this time it is real. Ah, oh, come on. AS Dragon is Have you seen their logo? Is, is it, they have a sweet logo or something? No, they don't have a sweet logo, unfortunately, uh, that I could tell, uh, which is very disappointing for a team called AS Dragon. They also kind of like go by both Dragon and Gozier, but they are AS Dragon. That is their name. 
The next one I have is Chateau Roux. And I apologize for the butchering of some of these French names. We we are not French, so I don't feel about bad about the pronunciations. Um, shit. I'm going fake. That is fake. That is a fake team. The so, next one I have for you is U.S. Orleans. U.S. Orleans. I'm going to say that's fake, too. You are correct. That is fake. That is fake. Yes. The kid's hot. Kid is hot. All right. So we have one more to go. And that team that I'm going to present to you. Are you ready? I'm ready. It is. And there is something behind this. Note the first team that I gave you. Red Star. Red Star. Red Star. It's thrown me off because it's not a French name. Oh. See, my reverse psychology makes me think that because it seems ridiculous that there would be an English name in Guadeloupe, that would make it more concacaf So I'm going to say this is a real team. It is a real team. You did very well this week. Yes. Uh, Red Star is actually based on Paris Red Star, uh, which oh, is a small okay. team out in the outskirts of Paris. Remember, also we had AS Dragon or AS Dragon, whatever they, however they pronounce it. There was no there was no accent on any syllable, so I went with Dragon. Uh, so you actually did pretty good this week. Five, hey, redeem yourself. Five for six. Five out of six is the best we've had on this. Five out of six. Good for game. you. So I've had the best score and the worst score. So I yeah, and, and and here's the averaging thing. out to to recap. I, there's a lot of teams that I could have considered. The problem is a lot of them have French pronunciations that I couldn't actually pronounce. <laughs> so it, I couldn't actually say them. And by doing that, it would be as a service because you'd know immediately that it was a real team because it was so it had the friendship so French. You're like, oh no, this absolutely, there's no way he would make this up. So <laughs> I had to find teams that I could pronounce uh, with my limited French so that I could try to sell it. That's how that worked. I think we need to get back on to our everyday French with Pierre Escargot uh, to oh, yeah. work on our language. Yeah, I got to get back, get back of the grind. Wee oui, wee. Oui. All right. Well, that wraps us up on Guadeloupe. Let's head to the CONCACAF transfer wire. Uh, it is summer so players moving around so we're just going to kind of go through some of the moves around CONCACAF that are of note uh first off uh Mexican national teams uh JJ Macias he's going from Chivas to Getafe of La Liga on a season-long loan with a purchase option um big move to La Liga even though that's not the top of the Liga um but any thoughts on this move yeah, Hatafe is actually a pretty pretty decent team. It has a strong culture uh, based just outside of uh, Madrid. So it's not a team. Yeah, they may be a smaller team, but they're not a team that's going to go quietly into the night. And Macias, if he breaks through into that, he can use that to kind of parlay into a bigger club in Spain, like a Valencia or a Sevilla or something like that. Uh, moving on to Trinidad, uh, Marcus Joseph, one of their strikers uh, who did score a goal in this Gold Cup qualification in the prelims. Uh, he is moving to Mohammedan SC in India. Uh, he's currently unattached. Uh, he was last with Gokulam Kerala FC, also of India. Um, so CONCACAF spreading around the world. Um, but Joseph has had some success in that league. And they, uh, they signed Joseph. Um, so... Good luck to him there. Uh, former I US... like the Indian Premier League, by the way. I actually watch yeah. a lot of it when it's in season uh, yeah. because it's on ESPN Plus in the morning and it's not like on at you know, 3 yeah. in the morning. It, they have late games there. So it's like you know 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. here on the East Coast. So you can wake up and literally write. You can watch like the first half of one game uninterrupted before Bundesliga and like EPL come on in full. So it's actually pretty cool. I... I really highly recommend people check that out uh and you will be able to see marcus joseph next year in that league 
Now, what's the vibe like watching those games? Like, do they get good crowds? Is the production value good? Like, well, it's it's hard to tell because it was COVID, so they didn't have crowds. Um, I hear they do have good crowds, uh, but the, uh, you know, Indian Premier League is kind of one that's, or I guess Indian Super League is what they call it, uh, is something that's kind of been around for just a few years, and they've had a couple of teams change names or move or something like that. But they have a couple of what we would call powerhouse teams. Uh, Kerala is is one of the is one of the teams that is usually pretty decent, but moving uh, to Mohammedan, I've actually never heard of them because I think that's a brand new team. So we'll see how that works out for them. Yeah, going from the press release of Mohammedan, Mohammedan's based in Kol- Kolkata. Um, mm-hmm. Marcus was with uh, Gokulam Kerala in January 19, scored 25 goals in 30 matches in that league. 11 lows came in the 2019 Durand Cup where he single-handedly led the Malabrians to the title. So, Mohamedan pumped about getting 30-year-old striker uh, Marcus Joseph. Moving on, former U.S. Well, he's not quite officially former, but U.S. international Christian Ramirez. He's had a couple caps. Uh, He's moving from Houston Dynamo to Aberdeen FC in Scotland. Um Big move out of MLS after he'd bounced around MLS a lot. He actually came up through Minnesota United as they transferred from NASL into MLS. Uh, any thoughts on this move? It's a very interesting move. It's not something that you could say you saw coming, but it's definitely one that intrigues me because there have been some guys that have gone and, and gone to Scotland and had pretty decent times of it of late. You know, you have Ian Harks that's still at Dundee. You had uh, Perry Kitchen, who did a little bit at uh, Hearts, uh, and you had you know Tim Weah, who had a stint at Celtic. So the problem with the Scottish Premier League is that it's not what it used to be. It's become a league where teams like to hack at legs, and you kind of worry for uh, a guy to stay healthy uh, in that league. But uh, I think if he can do well with Aberdeen, he can obviously use that to springboard into another league in Europe. Yeah, and the fee reported reportedly as a per transfer market is $250,000 US. Um, So a value signing for Aberdeen. Uh, Sticking in the United States with the US international, uh, Conrad De La Fuente moving to Marseille from FC Barcelona. Uh, Reportedly, the fee is 3 million euros. De La Fuente is 19 years old. He's signed a four-year deal with Marseille. He wasn't really going to be breaking in to the Barcelona squad. Um, Barcelona is a very good team, um, but he should be able to get more playing time. Any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I really like this move for him personally. Uh, one, because it gets him out of Barcelona, who I hate. The second is because <laughs> he's going to get that playing time and he can take what he learned in Barcelona. And he learned quite a bit to, to elevate to the point where you're sitting on the bench for Barcelona week in and week out is a big deal. He may not have seen the field, but to get to that point is a big deal. Now he'll be able to use that and get onto the field and, and play for Marseille and play in, again, another big league. Uh, league Un is, is no slouch of a league. So uh, if he's going to make it there, he'll be able to make it anywhere. Yeah, the kid's just 19. He Playing time will be very good for him. Uh, and then finally, uh, going to the Wiley veteran uh, from Panama, Roman Torres. Uh, leaving CS Cartagena's in Costa Rica and heading back to Panama uh, to play with CD Universitario. Um, so Roman Torres still living the dream, but uh, looks like he's going to be wrapping up his career in his home country. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, he's had a lengthy career, uh, has been just about everywhere in this hemisphere uh, to play soccer, and now he gets to go home. Congratulations to him. So that wraps up our transfer wire. Now we're going to move on to what's next. And what's next is obviously the Gold Cup. Uh, We're going to run through the groups real quick and kind of give you a little bit of a preview uh, just before the group stage starts. So leading off with Group A, we've got Mexico, El Salvador, Curacao, Trinidad Tobago. And the one thing I do want to note is... With the format change with the Gold Cup, it used to be you had third-place teams getting through. 
because with only 12 teams, you had eight get through to the quarterfinals. Now, your top two in the group get through. So the margin for error in the group stage is much, much smaller. So this first group, Mexico, El Salvador, Curacao, Trinidad, and Tobago. What do you see here, Donald? Intrigue. I mean, obviously, the the favorite is Mexico. You have to call them the favorite for the whole tournament just based on the roster that they brought to the Gold Cup. But El Salvador, Curacao, Trinidad, Tobago, three teams that everyone should have heard of, has seen a lot of playing time or seen on their TVs quite a bit over the last few weeks. Uh, El Salvador could do damage. Curacao can get out of this group. And Trinidad, Tobago could break through. And if they play better than they have the last few weeks, then they could get out of the group. So it's interesting to see how this works in, in Trinidad Tobago to get to the Gold Cup. I'm sure they were just absolutely devastated and disappointed that they did all they could to get to the Gold Cup only to be paced in this group with three other strong teams. So we'll see what happens out of there, but it's very intriguing. I'm going to go with Curacao to get out of this group, though, uh, along yeah. with Mexico. Yeah. I mean, El Salvador wasn't overly impressive through qualifying. Uh, Curacao, they've been known to get results since they've been able to work their way into this tournament. Mexico, clearly a favorite. They'll get their nine points and move on. Um, Trinidad, I mean, you never know but with the new coach, but they certainly haven't had the results over the past year to make give you any confidence that they're going to get out. Um, so I like Mexico for sure to get out of here and Curacao as well. So that is Group A. Moving on to Group B, we've got the United States, Canada, Martinique, and Haiti. A lot of French flavor in this uh, group. Uh, Donald, your thoughts on this squad? Well, the of course, the class of this group is the United States, uh, followed probably by Canada. Martinique and Haiti can give them a run. I, I you know, if I had, if you had asked me this last night, I would have said Haiti could get a shot at, you know, you know, exacting some revenge against Canada and getting out of this group. But with, you know, everything that's going on in their country right now, it's going to be hard for them to focus. And honestly, I, I don't see them doing well in this group only because of that, not because of any kind of pedigree issues that they have on their team. Yeah. I mean, for me, you would assume the U S is going to get through comfortably. I'm not so sure about that. Like for the most part, they are bringing a B team. Um, Canada has a, most of their stars. Canada's bringing like their squad. So when you get to that third game where it's the U S Canada on the 18th, I mean, first place might still be up for grabs there. Uh, Martin and, and all Haiti, these, teams, all of these ahead. teams have won a game in recent gold cups, like in their group, gotten out of the group, you know, Martinique has been in the last two gold cups group stages. They've won one game in each, which means they were in it in the final match day to be able to get out of the group. They just didn't make it. Canada and Haiti have obviously advanced into the group stage or out of the group stage and have played each other in recent gold cups uh, in the knockout stages. Now they play each other in the group stage. And obviously the U S has been to seven of the last eight finals winning for uh winning three of them so that is uh the the key here do you know does this team rise to the challenge the united states team do they rise up to the challenge and show that hey it does not matter who we bring we can destroy anybody in front of us yeah and i think what we talked about with haiti having so much going on in their home country right now the u.s getting them first is probably really good for them um being able to have what should be a winnable game to build some confidence. They aren't playing any friendlies before. Um, I mean, the U S needs to get results and the squad they brought. You kind of wonder, especially when Haiti and Martinique play styles that it'll probably be a close game. And if you're going into that last game against Canada and their a squad and needing a result could get a little dicey. All right, so moving on to Group C, uh, Costa Rica, Jamaica, Suriname, and the star of the show, Guadalupe. Uh, what do you see out of Group C? So this is interesting because on paper, Costa Rica is supposed to be the class of this group, but I think it's Jamaica. I think Jamaica is ready to assert themselves as one of the top 
three or four teams in CONCACAF. And to do that, they'll, you know, Costa Rica has not been playing super well lately. Uh, we played them uh, just a little bit ago, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and destroyed them. And they also lost to, uh, they, they lost valiantly in, on penalties to Mexico in the CONCACAF Nations League semifinals. So they haven't played super well. Jamaica is ready to pounce and be that team that gets out of this group. Again, we've talked about them before. Look out for Suriname. Suriname could be a team that could surprise people uh, and get a game or steal a draw or something like that. They may not get out of the group, but they may stop one of one of Jamaica or Costa Rica from doing that as well. Yeah, I don't see any of these teams walking out of here with nine points. I'd be shocked if anyone walks out with more than six. You know, this is going to be a really tight group. Um, Jamaica, yeah, like they've their squad should be good enough to get out of this group. Um, and sidebar, their new kits, hot fire. They just released yeah. those a couple weeks ago. Jamaica, looking real good, as usual. Shout but, out CONCACAF. They're bringing the heat. We, we yeah. keep talking about this on podcasts, and you guys keep not disappointing us, which is terrific. So keep, keep up the flames. We like it. You may not look good, but you're going to look good. You know, <laughs> so Jamaica, they've been really recruiting the dual nationals uh, hard, trying to build up their pool. They aren't quite bringing everybody. Uh, some of their strikers, uh, notably like guys like Andre Gray, some of the midfielders that they've got over in uh, England. Not everyone's participating in this tournament. Uh, they do have Adrian Mariapa, who's going to be playing in his first gold cup. Um, they've got Andre Blake and goal. I mean, as long as Andre Blake's there, they're going to be competitive. Um, so I, I mean, is Kaylor Navas is not coming to this gold cup. So do you say that Andre Blake is the best goalkeeper in this tournament? I think he might be. I, I would say so. May you might have some shout for Eloy room, but like, yeah, I'd say far and away. Andre Blake is like the top keeper of this tournament. So if you've got the best at any of the positions, odds are you're going to be able to get out of the group stage of this tournament. Um, so personally for me, Costa Rica, Jamaica, you, Costa Rica, I'm I'm a little more hesitant to have go through on Jamaica, but they do have a little bit more experience than the Suriname and Guadalupe. But that's why they play the games. Exactly. So moving on to Group D, we've got Honduras, Panama, Grenada, and the guest nation of Qatar. Uh, a lot of people wondered why Qatar would be involved in this, but those questions were answered when CONCACAF announced a multi-year partnership with Qatar Airways for the foreseeable future. Uh, so Qatar clearly trying to get some games in for their national team before the World Cup next year, which they are automatically in. They get to taste the gold cup. What else do you see in this group? So for me, I see there's a couple of things, right? The first thing is a lot of people in this confederation or on this side of the world have not seen Qatar play. I've seen them play a couple of times. So I'm really interested to see how they do against competition like this. Panama is a team that went to the World Cup just a little bit ago, but they struggled to get They're in the octagonal but they struggled to get there uh, during World Cup qualifying. Honduras is a team that is very strong and can beat just about anybody on the field. So, And Grenada is a team that is not going to be a slouch either. They're not going to bow down and, and cater to Qatar. Like That's, that's not going to happen. So I'm interested to see how this group shakes out and if Qatar is as good as people are saying that they could be because obviously they've been trying to get a bunch of people, they've been recruiting a bunch of uh, expats to play on their national team in advance of the World Cup next year. And they've been playing against some solid opponents to try and prepare their team for the rigors of the World Cup. This is just another one of those opportunities for them. And I'm interested to see how they do. But I do think they get out of the group along with Panama. Uh, or, I'm sorry, along with Honduras. Uh, I think Panama is the one that kind of squeaks uh, out on the last second, you know, last match they shenanigans that kind of calf likes to offer there's always shenanigans um 
Qatar actually did just play a friendly against El Salvador. They got a 1-0 result uh, against El Salvador in a game played in Croatia, which if you're going to have a warm-up for the Gold Cup, I don't know if you do that in Croatia, but they did. So we'll see how that goes. The thing to note for me is Honduras, they probably aren't bringing the best squad to this tournament because they're also playing in the Olympics. So their pool is pretty split right now. Um, Panama, with that, should be able to find a way to get through. Honduras, I'm just not sure how deep their pool is. Uh, If they can handle losing a few guys to the tournament over in uh, Tokyo. But Grenada, Qatar, honestly, I'd be, I think it'd be a little hilarious if Qatar gets through, but we'll see. I mean, like you said, they, there isn't a lot of experience with CONCACAF. I don't know if they're ready for the CONCACAFing that can happen uh, in tournaments like this. But they're uh, also partners. So CONCACAF could be now. happening to other people so they get through. We, we will see that again. This is probably the most intriguing group of all because Qatar is there. Qatar is there, which again reiterates my life motto: everybody has a price. So everybody. that wraps up the Gold Cup, which starts uh, this coming weekend. Uh, we're recording midweek on July seventh. Um, so we'll move on to stoppage time. And uh, Donald, you got anything else? Yeah. So there's a couple of things you mentioned that today is July seventh. Uh, July 7th, the, today, the women's national team, U.S. women's national team, uh, took off for Tokyo. They are on the plane. Uh, there was a funny picture where literally everyone on the team was in the picture except for Katarina Macario, which led to a lot of people freaking out about where Katarina Macario was. Needless to say, she had to respond on social media and say, hey, guys, I am also on the plane. Like, don't worry. We're we're all going together. Uh, and I will be in, in, in Tokyo. So that is good. The whole team is going off. They're obviously in search of their fifth gold medal and to try and become the first women's team to win a World Cup followed by an Olympic gold medal. So we'll see if that happens. Good luck to the women. But also, two years ago today, on July 7th, 2019, that same women's national team won the World Cup for the second straight time and won their fourth in, or fourth in total, their fourth star. They are the defending World Cup champions, as I mentioned. They are now going for the fifth Olympic title. July 7th is a very, very cool day in the world of sports and on a personal note for for us for the you know us and also for slate our buddy marcel uh, is his birthday today so we'll wish him a happy birthday i he'll he may listen to this later but happy birthday to our boy marcel yeah happy birthday marcel the other thing about that two-year anniversary of the women's world cup final is also the two-year anniversary of the 2019 gold cup final uh with mexico getting the victory uh, this time of year, always exciting with these international soccer tournaments. Um, make sure you follow along with us as the Gold Cup progresses. We will do our best to keep sharing the content. Uh, Donald, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah, well, for the next week, you can find me in Kansas City at these games. <laughs> so that's first and foremost. And I think, uh, Eric, I will see you at at least one of them. Uh, so we will, uh, we will, if you, if you're in Kansas city, find me, if not on Twitter at blazing DW B L A Z I N D W that's also on Instagram, but just find me on Twitter or find me at a tailgate. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to make it to Kansas city. Uh, but oh, I come on, man. I just booked a flight to Arlington. So uh, I'll be at Jerry world for the quarterfinals. Okay. And I'll see you there. Yeah, I'll be there. And I'm definitely 100% you can count me in for Vegas for the final. Um, I'm just kind of hoping that the United States is there as well. <laughs> Either not, way, Vegas is going to be, I will be in trip. Vegas. It's going to be, be a, a lot of fun. Um, Jonathan couldn't join us tonight, but make sure you follow him. It's J Slape SSP on Twitter. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at podcast POD calf if you listen to us on the apple store and especially if you don't try to go on there rate and review us give us those five stars get our rating up make us look good make sure you're telling your friends make sure you're retweeting us when we say something funny and just keep enjoying the Concacaf gold cup coming up we're pumped you should be pumped too 
We'll be back soon enough to talk more about it. Thanks for listening.